4: This 10th year of Daily Tech News Show is made possible by you, the listeners. Thanks to every single one of you, including Kria Artem, Tony Glass, Philip Less, and brand new patrons coming in under the wire at the end of the year, Starseed33 and Alex. Woo On this episode of DTNS, Molly Wood breaks down the Adobe Figma breakdown. Jason Howell's here to tell us what he thinks will be the big new mobile trend for 2024. And Sony backtracks on removing discovery shows that you paid for. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, December 22nd, Christmas Eve, 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 2023. In Los Angeles, I'm Tom Merritt.
2: And from the studio on Scooter Lane, suggested by Benjamin, I'm
5: Sarah Lane. From Oakland, California, I'm Molly Wood.
6: Drawing the top tech stories
4: in Cleveland, I'm Len Peralta.
3: I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang,
4: and joining us, co-host of Android Faithful, Jason Howell.
3: Hello. <laughs> Hello, how's it going? It's so great to see all of you on the streams and do a podcast with you. Thank.
4: Oh you Oh my gosh, me. I cannot think of a better way to wrap up uh, 2023's live streams of Daily Tech News Show than than with this group right here. Y'all are the best. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Thanks everybody for being you here. You are the best.
2: Well, you'd see how you feel at the end of the show, Tom. Yeah. We'll check in in
5: 30 minutes and
4: find out. Uh, let's let's start trying to ruin it with the quick
5: hits. Somebody's grinch is in here. <laughs> Android
2: authorities' Michelle Rahman, also found on the Android Faithful podcast, notes that Google introduced a new battery information page in the About Phone section of Settings. It shows the manufacture date and cycle count of the device's battery, thanks to a new Android 14 API. But Ramon notes that a lots of other battery data is also available in that API, including State of Health, which estimates the battery's full charge capacity. And a battery health page has shown up in Android 14 QPR2 Beta 2, but only if you know it's there. And only if you manually activate it. None of this confirms that Google will be adding a battery health indicator to Android, but also, its signs are pointing to yes.
4: China's National Press and Publication Administration wants to limit people spending money within video games. A new set of draft rules published Friday would make developers limit the amount of money players can spend in game and display pop ups to alert users when that spending is deemed irrational. Incentives such as daily sign in rewards would also be banned, according to these new rules, as would large tips to game streamers. However, the administration also approved new games for publication, which has been a slow thing in China lately.
2: Hyperloop One, the transportation startup that planned a type of high-speed rail through tubes in a vacuum, is reportedly selling off all of its assets, laying off its remaining workers, and preparing to shut down... By the end of 2023, the company raised $450 million in venture capital since its founding back in 2014 and completed a test track in Nevada back in 2020. Although the technology behind the Hyperloop is feasible, the cost-effectiveness of the project does not apparently uh, prove feasible itself. Today, no full-scale functioning Hyperloops exist anywhere in the world, although several companies are still developing the technology, including the Boring Company.
4: Last month, EU politicians said they had figured out a deal for a directive that would require employees of gig work platforms like Uber to be presumed employees. There were Uh, five indicators if two of the five indicators were identified related to control and direction of work you're an employee however eu laws need to pass the parliament and the european council which is made up of representatives of each country now usually they do these agreements to ensure that the law will have smooth sailing through those bodies but this directive did not pass the council Spain blamed multiple countries. They said conservatives and liberals, everybody's to blame. Uh, the rumor is that France is leading the resistance to the legal presumption of employment. That's their big objection. If minor changes can't be made that satisfy the council, then the directive's going to go have to go back to negotiations. And that means it might not be resolved before the next EU elections.
2: Everybody wants to see what chatbot is the best, and The Verge conducted tests of ChatGPT Plus and Gemini Pro to see how they compared to each other. Overall, each model was good at different things. Amelia David wrote, Bard is largely capable of going toe-to-toe with ChatGPT Plus, although it can't offer some features like image generation yet. Uh, David also found that BARD was a little slower and a little more likely to decline to answer questions due to restrictions meant to prevent controversial or inaccurate responses. David also noted BARD is free and ChatGPT Plus costs $20 a month.
4: All right, so this last quick hit is a little tricky, Uh, so let's set a few things straight ahead of time. Apple has been banned by the U.S. International Trade Commission from importing watches that have the blood oxygen sensor that the itc says violates the patent of a company called massimo apple has decided to stop selling its two watches that have that sensor the series nine and the ultra two uh it can send it can also not send more supplies to third parties because the watches are assembled overseas so they can't import them and send them to third parties but third parties can continue to sell whatever they have in stock okay So knowing all that will help you understand the news today. Apple cannot replace your out of warranty watch if it has a blood oxygen sensor. So if you go in and say, hey, the screen broke, they used to just swap in a new watch. Now they can't do that because that would be distributing the watch in violation of the patent. The only thing it can fix in that case is a software issue. However, If your watch is under warranty, Apple can honor the warranty and still replace it. You also can't exchange a Series 9 or an Ultra 2 that you bought earlier this year for a different one. Apple is appealing the ITC ruling and also said it's working on a way around the patent. And we'll see if either of those things happen anytime soon. Well, it's good that Molly's here because we have a story about Sony. And uh, you and I have a long history with <laughs> stories about Sony, going going back to the Rootkit days. Uh, Sony announced that Discovery content it was going to have to remove from PlayStation users' purchase libraries by December 31st will not be removed after all, thanks to updated licensing arrangements. Now, granted, there aren't a lot of people that bought this stuff. Sony even ended its store a few years back. But hey, you paid for it. You probably want to keep it. This situation resulted from Sony not having the full rights to continue to offer shows despite selling them to you under the impression that they did— But I'm also going to put blame on Discovery here, because Discovery holds the licenses. If they had pulled them, it would have been Discovery's decision to say, we're not going to come to a deal with Sony. Uh, Sony made a bad deal, don't get me wrong. uh, But Sony also didn't try to compensate people for lost shows, or at least they didn't say they were going to. I, I think that was bad. But Discovery was the one pulling the content, not Sony. Thankfully, All of this is moot. The two sides have decided, for whatever reason, they're not talking, to agree on something that will let PlayStation users continue to access whatever of the around 1,200 Discovery titles that would have been affected. So in the end, nothing's getting pulled.
2: I mean, win for the folks that had, you know, had had bought their content and said, "Hey, wait a second, uh, we <laughs> you know, we bought this content. How how in the heck it. could you could you pull it?" Um, I'm I'm a little surprised, to be honest, that the two companies uh, made an about face on this, uh, because I think a lot of times the consumer is just the one that gets the rug ripped out from under them, and you know, is just sort of mad, and that's the end of it. So yeah, I, I mean. I guess a win for anybody who, and a few of you did write in saying, I'm one of these people who, who had a lot of content that is, that is uh, at risk of being uh, pulled from me.
5: I mean, I think this sort of goes back to a, a conversation that we <laughs> have all been having for a really long time, which is that if it's bits, yeah. you probably don't own it. You know, I mean, you could, and that, that could because that could be because of licensing. It could be because of a fight between so and so. It could be because of a drama Wow! When you make my video big, I really realize I'm wearing this hat. I am wearing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> for those of you who can't see, it's the Oakland Turkey Trot hat from this year. It's, it's beautiful. The Turkey Trot. It's hot. It, it Or it could be because of a massive data loss, right? I mean, it's sort of like right. your cloud infrastructure could be destroyed and all of your digital bits. Like, it's just not a thing. You could sort of see why we moved to a rental model when it comes to this idea of digital goods. Because if it can't hold it in your hand, it's probably, it's like, kind of like crypto, right? Not your key, not your crypto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You not, not, your your, you don't,
4: not your cloud service, not your digital video. That's right. Not as catchy, but yeah. yeah.
3: That's not as not, catchy. I mean yeah. it's th- this whole story really Good taps try. into this idea of permanence when it comes to media in general not just video content you know that you can access through your PlayStation but like you were all saying when we pay to own something that is purely digital, served in, in the cloud, wherever, someone else's servers, there are a million different reasons why that ownership could suddenly be revoked. And as a consumer, like we've all lived through the days where we truly own things, where you bought a movie and you literally had the movie in your hand. And the only way you lost that is it, it was destroyed or you sold it or got rid of it or something like that. This This model for all the convenience and beauty that it does offer also has a serious downside which is that nothing is permanent when we're talking ownership here i think tom you you nailed it um when you have referred to this as like extended rental you know it's like long term rental and that's exactly what it is and i I don't like that because I think the, uh, the risk long term is that we lose touch with all these things that are cultural touchstones, be it gaming, be it movie, TV, whatever, like we used to know exactly where those things were forever. And obviously that's not the case anymore.
4: There's a lot of these kinds of stores that will let you download a version and and keep it locally and and your risk is limited. But I still always look at it as I'm paying this to have a a long-term rental of it. Uh, I can do a 24 hour rental for this price. I can have a sort of open-ended rental for this price. And that's why I've always looked at this stuff. Uh, That said, There have not been very many instances where content has been removed uh, from your library. We're always worried that it can happen. It absolutely Mm -hmm. can happen. They have the rights to make it happen. But this is a case, and I think this will be forgotten because everybody will remember being Mm -hmm. mad about what was going to happen and not what happened, where public pressure definitely caused companies to come to an agreement that they weren't going to come to otherwise Uh, and it it bears out my premise that over the long term, and sometimes it's a little too long, consumers always win. Um, I can think of one example in Europe where content was actually removed. And in that case, I think there was a a refund. I know recently Google took down all of its magazines from a magazine store that hasn't been around for years, but they let people download them and gave them refunds for any of the versions that when downloaded wouldn't be fully functional because they wouldn't have the interactive elements anymore. Uh, So I'm not saying don't get mad about this stuff. I'm saying getting mad about it apparently works because we mm-hmm. don't have a lot of actual horror stories, just a lot of people getting upset.
5: Yeah. Agreed. I can actually think of times where there was an announcement about photo, the photo services was the big one and has always been the big fear. And I'm trying to remember which photo service it was yeah. that sort of said, we're going to delete all, even when they yeah, migrated yeah. it and then delete it, there's a huge outcry. So yes, I, I agree. Just don't, you know, if yes, on the one hand, we're in this paradigm and digital bits could always just boop into the ether, but we shouldn't accept that. Yeah. You know, if somebody is like, Oh, I I know you bought that. And I know you, we told you that you bought it and we sold it to you for $20 instead of two, but now we're going to take it away. Your response as a consumer is no, thank you.
4: Yeah. Make it very clear to discovery that if you don't come to an agreement with Sony on this stuff, a bunch of people who aren't going to be affected directly will no longer trust buying stuff, and your potential market just got smaller. You don't want to do that. So mm-hmm. uh, Earlier this week, Evan Blass, uh, you probably know him as EvLeaks, uncovered a countdown clock to the next Samsung Galaxy Unpacked event. Looks like it's going to happen at 1 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday, January 17th. Waiting on the official word, but uh, that Evan Blass is pretty good at uncovering this stuff. It also contained the phrase, Galaxy AI is coming, so that's pretty clear. Uh, there was a leaked mm-hmm. spectrum sheet, which overall didn't have too many surprises in it. Uh, But Jason, you looked at this in somebody who's covering Android continuously. uh, You realized it kind of shows one of the big trends in mobile software for 2024. Tell me what you're thinking.
3: Well, I mean, you know, uh, definitely I've had my my mind in the world of Android for a long time. And I've recently been very, very interested in the kind of the, the modern development of AI and generative AI and everything like that. And when I look at the smartphone industry right now, I see a lot of people, you know, who were once like incredibly excited about everything new that is mobile. Like mobile has reached this mat- this mat- a mature point where it's really hard for it to wow us. It's really hard for it to do things that um, are more than we've already seen. So the hardware innovation, we're not really seeing a whole lot of that. Maybe a little bit in foldables, but that's not one of those things that's really winning the world over, right? Like it certainly has its its devotees, but um, it's not the total innovation that everybody's buying into. But when I look at the software and I look at the promise of what we've seen in the last five, seven years when it comes to AI on device, be that Siri, be that Assist whatever it is and the promise was there and it did some of those things but you know I think long term it di- also disappointed a lot of people when I see where we 're at with AI and and primarily you know these chips these AI chips being on device the actual AI um, computations happening on device so that we don 't at least we have less to worry about as far as our data and our privacy going out in the cloud and what it 's capable of Specifically what we've seen in the last year as far as advancement and growth in that industry. And then what, where we're headed right now. I think 2024 is going to be a really big year for mobile because of what this integration of AI is going to do, it's going to make us excited about software again because some of these you know, advanced features that we're going to see in these phones are actually going to be incredibly useful. Hopefully they aren't totally <laughs> disinformation machines, but I think a lot of them are going to be really useful in ways that we were hoping we would see five years ago and didn't quite materialize.
4: And we're getting a lot more on-device capability. Uh, yeah. Apple just published a, a white paper about that that is open for, for other people uh, to use. Uh, and I know there's a there's a lot of development being done at Samsung uh, around this, Google, obviously, uh, as well, and and OpenAI and Anthropic, et cetera. So there's going to be more that you'll be able to do without having to send that data off in the cloud, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't yeah, Qualcomm make
5: some announcements on that front as well?
4: Yeah, yeah, they've got an yeah. AI neural processor kind of thing too. Yeah, that's good right yeah.
5: that. now. Um, I want to know what Jason thinks about the humane AI pin. Like, as long as I just have you here. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of I'm mobile going straight and to AI, the source. yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, that's one of those products that, like, you could and I have, you know, we could easily, you know, like make fun of it and be like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, no, but but it's it's a really it early example of like where I think this stuff is headed and is it the right solution uh, right now maybe not like some of the like the projection onto the hand that thing's a little bit silly but I kind of understand why it exists but, but the it's I, new and different but right? it's new and different right yeah. and like you know also you know one of the threads uh, from this last year was the whole Johnny Ive you know doing a partnership with OpenAI to work on something mobile that is really AI first and like that kind of sounded silly and funny at the time but the more that I've seen the mobile um, developers, or, or no, not just developers, but the people making the hardware, bringing their chips on device, and doing some really cool things with it, the more it really makes sense. It's kind of like the humane AI pin is like another version of what I believe Johnny Ive and OpenAI are probably going to be working on, and that they're all going to be working towards in the next handful of years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah it's I'm interesting. It. It's a really cool yep. time, I think.
4: Yeah, I, I do think you're right that we need differentiated features on mobile to to mm-hmm. get people excited about phones I mean, I mean maybe we don't need them maybe as consumers we're fine like you know what if I can keep my phone longer and not have to buy a new phone that's great but if you want to be excited and have something new out of your phone it's gonna to have to be software uh, it's mm-hmm. going to have to be features because I, I think
2: right it's like there's only so many ways we can fold right. a phone yeah totally. and say whoo, look well, at this I, one
4: when's the last time you got up it. excited about a laptop form factor right like it's Mm
2: -hmm. even even it's good yeah i feel like
5: we just sort of stopped caring because one works well right right and it works for as long as it works and that's fine and i want phones to be in that category because i want to actually be able to release myself from that screen i like the idea of Mm -hmm. the humane ai you know the the on lapel processing or frankly like an earbud like Mm -hmm. bring on the bionics I am in favor of being able to sort of offload some of these processes from the Black Mirror and onto something that is more like a wearable or is just more integrated. You know, we've been talking about ambient computing, yep. which has not emerged yet forever. Um and so I'm excited about a universe in where in, in which that gets better and we de emphasize the laptop. You know, the phones start to become more like a laptop. It's just like it's yeah. a utility, it's an appliance in the house, but it's not the be all end all of where the hell is it and i need to be touching it right now
4: (laughs) (laughs) there's there's the road that uh humane ai is going down there's the road that virtual reality mixed reality augmented reality is going down and if those two roads cross you get what you want which is ambient computing that is in your in your head in your eyes and easy Mm -hmm. to access just hopefully without a big headset big clunky headset right something that's that's a little, little. I don't know if it has to be implantable, but but something that's a little easier.
5: I want my implant. I'm ready. You're, you've been ready <laughs> for ah, years, really. Yeah. Cyborg me. Let's go. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, all right, folks. Uh, we have lots of other stuff coming. Uh, we'll talk about our holiday shows coming uh, and the Daily Tech News Show youtube channel is popping off these days we've got android faithful on there uh we've got the top five and top five is going throughout the holidays as well today is the top five tech news stories from 2023 uh if you want me to count down what i thought were the big stories uh from silicon valley bank to OpenAI, well there's two of them uh find out what i think about them and find out what the other three are uh go check it out at youtube.com slash daily tech news show
2: On Monday, we passed along news that Adobe and product design company Figma called off plans to merge. The reason, concerns by regulators in both the EU and UK, that Adobe would be abusing its monopoly position with Figma on board. Now, Molly, we know you've been following this story closely, so let's unpack what you think is going on here.
5: Yeah, thank you for indulging me in this one. I know that this story is about a week old, but I cannot get enough of it because I think it is such an earthquake of a story in the startup and investment landscape specifically. And it says a lot about what we're going to be able to expect in terms of companies and startups being able to exit and get acquired in the future. You know, it's a big sign that the regulatory landscape has changed. But it's also, you know, when this, and frankly, it's a tech press story. Like when this story broke that Adobe was intending to acquire Figma. I I mean, I can't tell you how many people I talked to this week who said, oh, I thought that was a done deal, Mm -hmm. which I think we can all agree is a failure of the tech press writ large because anytime that there's a merger of that size, a $20 billion acquisition, in the landscape that we're in in particular, there was always going to be a bunch of regulatory scrutiny. This was also a story that had like venture capitalists in the Valley dancing the biggest jig you've ever seen and sort of saying this is proof positive that our industry still works because there'd been this kind of string of investment failures and sort of high-profile hits, right? You had WeWork, you had Theranos, you had the whole kind of crypto rush, and this is kind of an industry that has been looking for a hit since, I would say, Uber, And so then they get this big Figma deal done, this big, huge exit, as they call it. And a bunch of VCs are going to make a ton of money, as are the employees of Figma. And the deal falling apart means that now some VCs are still going to get a lot of money because there's this billion dollar breakup fee, but the employees are not. And Mm -hmm. so it really changes the calculus, I think, for people who are going to go work for startups. It It does mean that venture capital missed another big exit, like really, again, missed this big success story that they were so smug about. Um, And then, of course, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes in it. Like, it's possible that because of the regulatory scrutiny, the actual merger was taking long enough that generative AI appeared and changed the entire design ballgame. And Adobe was like, you know what? Actually, it's totally worth us paying a billion dollars to make this go away because – Maybe we don't need it now as much as we did.
2: You know, we don't always talk about the venture capital side of things on tech stories that are relevant, we think, to our audience because, you know, it's often kind of inside baseball and, and mm-hmm. largely financial. You mentioned yep. the breakup fee. Um, I, we, and we talk about breakup fees happening uh, when a company gobbles up another company or it is merged and there's a lot of money at stake. Is there ever a situation, Molly, where the employees get the breakup fee? I mean is this just is just just kind of the way that investment works?
5: It is the way that investment works and and I think what I've come to realize is like yes it's a really big financial story but it's also a story that determines sort of what companies live and which ones fail and when they when and why they are pushed to develop technology in a way that maybe isn't in the best interest of the company or even the users or the employees, right? A lot of that is because of this mechanism and the way that they get funded by venture capital and they have to grow and they have to get bought by an Adobe type thing. And the, when we talk about competition in the tech space, it's this double-edged sword because, of course, investors want a lot of different companies to exist and a lot of technologies to exist, but they also want them to get acquired by a bigger monopoly because that's a payout. So it's, this, it's become this interesting fabric, I think, of the way that these tech companies develop. Um, and then to answer your actual question in terms of whether the employees ever get the breakup fee, like hell no. I mean, maybe Figma could do the right thing by its employees and give out some very big bonuses. Yeah, but when you hear about nice. the
2: breakup fee, it's not going to the people who have built this, this company that now is no longer getting acquired.
5: Absolutely not. Yeah. And, and in I this wonder- case, it's, it's oh, a free billion dollars for Figma to keep growing. It's, and it's a double kind of, like now Figma doesn't need to take on any more venture capital so nobody's going to be able to invest in this super hot company and get equity in it because they just got a free billion bucks from Adobe. Yeah. And I wonder good. what this
3: also means for the employees who do stick around, who are there. How does this change the environment for them when you were that close to being acquired by probably the cream of the crop, you know, company that you would want to, you know, make your money uh, that you've been waiting for and now that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Do you settle? Do you continue? What? How does that impact the the day-to-day at Figma going forward? i am su- be su- super curious to see that.
5: I know. I'm curious, too. I mean, I would think that you would, in some ways, be excited. I know that a lot of employees and a ton of users were not
1: excited yeah, oh, about this. For sure.
5: Right? They're like, we don't yeah. want to get absorbed into the machine. We want to continue to build cool products. Like, the story of every company that gets acquired is that they get kind of starved of resources because they're part of a larger machine. Mm-hmm. So the people who really care about the mission are probably like, yay, we get to keep building cool stuff, but also, I was about to become like for a lot of these employees, this was such a huge acquisition that a big big, big number of them were about to become seven figure people.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And yeah. now they are not. And <sighs> it's a not right away. I, I'm just straight up yeah. not not now and maybe
4: not ever, maybe later. And but, maybe yeah. not ever because
5: yeah. Yeah. the because the window where you could just get bought by your competition, for $20 billion has closed. Mm-hmm. That is over now. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, like depends on where you're going to go. Where, you know, They may indeed get a great payout when and if this company goes public uh, or gets acquired by somebody else, but it'll be a lot longer and it'll probably be smaller. Mm-hmm. And I,
4: you, you pointed out to me when we were chatting over text message that this changes, uh, and you touched on it a little bit earlier, this changes what kind of companies might get funded if the possibility for these kinds of exits is now closed off. Mm-hmm. you know there's their venture capital we yes it's tempting to go like oh, well boo-hoo, poor venture capitalists didn't get their payday but it also means they'll be more conservative in what kinds of companies they invest in which could be good or bad I'm not saying it's it's one or the other but it's certainly going to change it
5: yeah maybe we don't get you know another kind of patently stupid crypto bubble <laughs> like where everybody could see that too much money was going into that but it does it just it's a it's a big landscape change and i think it it does you, you know we will start to see in 10 years we'll look back and go oh this is it's hard to prove a negative it will be hard to say oh these mm-hmm. technologies didn't get funded or these companies didn't yeah because they never but got most funded. likely yeah right because they never got funded most likely we will start to see possibly some more responsible behavior right not such big checks not such huge distortions we but might not risk taking it sounds
4: like what you're saying is we might have fewer disruptive ideas succeed but we will have possibly more solid businesses out of this. Right.
5: Yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. cuz yeah. the new benchmark is going to be can you make it as a business without mm-hmm. getting acquired. Yeah. And that's actually that's actually a good thing and it's a good yeah. thing for people who want to build something enduring and not just get rich really fast.
4: Yeah. Uh, well, I think the best way to get rich really fast is to be Len Peralta and make amazing art that everyone looks at and goes immediately. Is, oh my gosh, that yeah. art is too good! I have to commission Len right away,
3: right? Absolutely
4: ben? true.
6: As you can see behind Jason, right there yeah. too, he's got my art right behind him as well.
3: And, you know, and and it's interesting if you don't mind me. T- Take it two seconds because this is, uh, you know, this is a happy holidays art from TNT like, yeah, probably right. like 10, wow, wow. 12 years ago. I don't know when.
6: Yeah, but, yeah, totally. Len, I've got,
3: I love your art.
6: <laughs> well, in that yeah. vein of Christmas. Poor Ayaz. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very sad for Ayaz in that, in that age. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm not saying that Santa Claus had anything to do with some of the announcements today. He probably not didn't have anything to do with the Adobe Figma deal. But this is I gotta say it's been this is quite a Christmas present uh present. You've got the um Discovery uh uh thing on Sony, you've got the Galaxy AI coming January seventeenth, and of course the Figma deal, which it looks like in this picture that Santa is sort of poofing it away with his finger. <laughs> so
2: <Mythbusters. laughs> just kidding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: just um
6: kidding. this is this is the, the traditional <laughs> holiday <laughs> image this year happy holidays to everybody this is available right now my patreon patreon.com forward slash len if you're a dtns lover level you get this immediately back me at the five dollar level or you can just go the old-fashioned route go to my online store order something from me um maybe a last minute christmas gift i can't guarantee it'll be there before christmas but you can still com- commission me and happy day- happy holidays merry christmas to everybody
4: guaranteed uh-huh. by epiphany Exactly.
2: And uh, exactly. Well, it is a fun pre-holiday show, uh, not least in part because Molly Wood is here with us. Molly, let folks know where they can keep up with your latest.
5: You are the absolute best. I have just finished my first year of Everybody in the Pool, the podcast about climate solutions. You can find it uh, in any podcast player or at everybodyinthepool.com. I did a clip show and I love it. Nice. <laughs> Jason Howell, very also nice. with us, um,
2: wearing a very dapper hat, I must say. Uh, Jason, okay. uh, you are now part of Android Faithful. We're so happy to have you. You know, yeah. in, in, you. In, in in back in the fam. Uh, let folks yeah. know where else they they can keep up with 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 your latest.
3: I'm so happy to be back in the fam and to be doing Android Faithful. Um, so I have a newsletter. It is free. Freejasonnewsletter.com. The reason I set this up is because. You know, I'm, I'm figuring out what my business is now that I'm an independent podcaster. And so if you subscribe to this newsletter, as the URL says it's free, then as I know more about all the things I'm working on, I guarantee I will keep you updated there. And then you can support me in all the different places that I end up. And uh, that's coming soon. More details to come. Excellent.
4: I'm so excited about that, Jason. Good stuff. Me too. I'm super excited. Check it out. Uh, Veronica Belmont, thank you for being with us. Uh, Tell us what you are up to these days.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for bringing me on as a Adobe Figma subject matter expert. I love sharing my opinions on that. Um, you can
5: find me, as always, as uh,
2: at Veronica on most of the things. But yeah, great to see you all. It was a wonderful, wonderful podcast.
5: Oh my goodness. Surprise! Surprise. What Surprise. just happened? I know, my Surprise. mind blew also, uh, into pieces <laughs> under this hat. Also, hey, a-holes, way to trick me into talking about Adobe Figma with Veronica in the background. Like, cool, super cool, super
4: That's cool. That's hilarious.
5: Veronica, how bad are screw to that talk up? about it, In
4: Veronica. I would think not. So.
2: I, have, I have no official opinion. Yeah, I I've yeah, been yeah, Okay. Here for a year and a half, I, I just know I was pretty actually bummed. Honestly, like I know I'm coming a little bit late into the game, but people at uh, Adobe internally were very excited about the deal. So I yeah. know it was a, a bit of a heartbreak for a lot of them. A lot of people sure. worked really hard on it. Um, personally, I think it should have gone through, but I have a lot of a ton of bias there. So probably not the best person to ask. <laughs>
3: All right.
4: Uh, Well, don't forget, folks, next week we have our holiday specials. Monday we're off, but Tuesday is our listener co-host show. Wednesday, our best of DTNS and GDI. And Joe did a stellar job. You're not going to want to miss that. Thursday, we look at our predictions from last year, see how we did. Friday, we make our predictions for 2024. Monday, January 1st, we're off and then back with regular live shows and a celebration of our 10th anniversary on January 2nd. And don't forget, Rob Dunwood will be helping you keep up to date on daily tech headlines in the DTNS future feed tuesday through friday next week as well patrons stick around veronica is going to hang out with us some more on good day <laughs> internet it's our final gdi debate for 2023 as we tackle the most perplexing questions of the year
2: all right so as tom mentioned this is our last live show for 2023 but we will stream our holiday specials at the usual live showtime on twitch and youtube 4 p.m. Eastern, 2100 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live starting on Tuesday, December 26th with our listener co-host show. Happy holidays, everybody.
4: This week's episodes of Daily Tech News Show were created by the following people. Host, producer, and writer, Tom Merritt. Host, producer, and writer, Sarah Lane. Executive, producer, and booker, Roger Chang. Producer, writer, and co-host, Rob Dunwood. Video producer and Twitch producer, Joe Kuntz. Technical producer, Anthony Lemos. Spanish language host, writer, and producer, Dan Campos. Science correspondent, Dr. Nikki Ackermans. Social media producer and moderator, Zoe Detterding. Our mods, Beatmaster, WSGoddess1, BioCow, Captain Kipper, Steve Guadarama, Paul Reese, Matthew J. Stevens, a.k.a. Gadget Virtuoso, and J.D. Galloway. Mod and video hosting by Dan Christensen. Music and art provided by Martin Bell, Dan Luters, Mustafa A., Acast, and Len Peralta. Live art performed by Len Peralta. Acast ad support from Tatiana Matias. Patreon support from Tom McNeil. Contributors for this week's shows included Scott Johnson, Justin Robert Young, and Molly Wood. Guests this week were Huen Dao, Jason Howell, and a special cameo from Veronica Belmont. Thanks to all the patrons who make the show possible.
2: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this (laughs) program.
0: Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined.